Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Here on the East Coast, it can't be any colder outside than it is, but inside on the college basketball hardwood, the action is heating up. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA hoops with you. Mike Randall here, Gus Kearns right next to me. Gus, that was about as robust a weekend as we could ask for, huh? It is freezing. Oh my goodness! Oh, I can't even take brutal. it. Took the took the the girls ice skating today, and I had to pull the plug on the ice skating because I'm the one standing on the side making sure they're not falling over. I was like, okay, girls, we got to pull the plug here. I, I, my feet are frozen. It is absolutely freezing cold, but you're right. Man, this weekend gave us kind of everything we were hoping for. What a great weekend of college basketball hoops! You know, I read somewhere, Gus, that in New Hampshire. There's a spot that was negative 96 degrees with a 50-degree wind chill this weekend. I mean, that sounds frisky, huh? That sounds pretty nice. That, that has to be near Mount Washington or something like that, right? I mean, that, that, that has to be – they should make a bumper sticker for that because you see all those bumper stickers like this car has climbed Mount Washington? There yes. should be a bumper sticker for I survived whatever it was, minus 50 wind chill in New Hampshire. That's the bumper sticker to have. And they could package those together with the bumper stickers that say, I got pickpocketed in West Virginia. <laughs> There's a lot of pickpocketing going on there. Uh, all right, so listeners, here we go. We're gonna Mike and I'll try to take you through this like kind of exciting weekend. We'll we'll kind of go game by game and just try to cherry pick a couple games that really caught our eye. Hopefully, caught your eye too. Give us the break. Give you guys the breakdown of what we thought might have went down, why it went down, uh, something moving forward for each team. So, Mike, you just want to start with the biggest upset that kind of kicked the day off. Yes, where sir. Providence took down number five. Oh, I'm so happy. Xavier. Um, so Gus, I'm so happy. Because I loved Providence prior to the year. We just talked about them on the True. last pod. They were, you know, eight and eight team. I just felt in my heart they were better than that. And this was a huge, huge win from start to finish, really. Really had Xavier on the ropes, did a great job. So I think the one thing to pay attention to here here for Providence, obviously, is getting Bullock back like fully in the fold and fully healthy because he was in and out of the lineup early. Obviously, when you lose one of your two best players, that's going to – or he isn't in the lineup consistently. How about that? Obviously, that's going to throw a cog into your offensive and defensive plans. But now that it seems like they have everything up and running, you know what I think? They are going to be just like Marquette, and they're going to be a a craw on people's side in this Big East and just add to the grind that is the Big East. I think they're going to get better. They were Xavier was winning this game 10-7, and then after that, Providence pulled ahead, never looked back, never trailed the rest of the game. I Mm. think they're better, Gus. I do. I I think that this team with the seven, I think with seven uh, letter winners returning – they can come together. This is an interesting Big East. We'll get to it later with all the teams. Certainly Villanova's cream of the crop here. But this was a huge win because Providence needs to get on a roll. They need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But this was someone, Gus, they were not supposed to beat. So two takeaways from Xavier here. One, Trayvon Blewett has to show up in the second half. Otherwise, they have no chance to win. He was kind of invisible in the second half. And then number two, this was an important game for Xavier, Xavier because they could have put some distance between themselves and the rest of the Big East here if they win this game and stay undefeated in conference. Now they take that one loss. Now they're just back in the grind. Trayvon Bluick us zero points in the second half. I mean, invisible. That, that's not going to happen often. It's not going to happen often. And Xavier had a 44 to 28 rebounding advantage. But second chance points, 22-0 for Providence. Big, big win for Providence. 11 and 6 overall, 2 and 2 in the Big East. In the t- same time slot, we saw a now-ranked one-loss Clemson team win a big game in overtime against a very desperate Louisville team. I think it's time just to rank Clemson and, and, and just say, you know what? 
This team of upperclassmen, they're good. They play hard. They play the right way. They're going to defend you, obviously. And you know what? They're going to be a problem, and they're going to get a couple more of these wins in the ACC just like they got against uh, a Louisville team that was really hungry for any singular success or win on the road. You know, if gambling was legal, Gus, I may have lost a bet on this game uh, because Clemson was favored by, by six and a half points. <laughs> if, if it was. That's if it end. was. And I thought Louisville was done. I expected early game in Clemson. They're going to come out. They're 14-1 overall, now 3-0 and in conference. I thought they would pull away in the second half. And I'm also a big believer now, Gus, in Marquise Reed. Now, just to remind you, Marquise Reed's a junior at Clemson. He started his career at Robert Morris, right? His freshman, mm-hmm. season, his freshman season, he scored 15 points per game for Robert Morris. And they won the Northeast Conference tournament. And then they won that first round game, playing game, but still tournament game over South Florida. All right. That was a team with Pryor. All right. Yep. Sat that out of Georgetown, of course. Excellent. Yep. Sat out a season, averaged 10 points per game as a sophomore. And this year is up to 15.3 points per game. You are right. This is a very good Clemson team. We've been sleeping on them. Coach Brad Bromnell is waiting to hear about Zion Williamson. Who knows about that? But Reed had 24 points. He was three, six from three point range. Big win for Clemson. Louisville was desperate. They have a veteran team there. And even though I don't trust Padgett, and I think there's still a lot of chaos, they showed up and they played very, very hard in this game. 16 for Spalding, 14 for Adele, 13 for Quinn Snyder. But it wasn't enough. In overtime, Clemson won by five, Gus, not by six and a half. <laughs> if betting was legal. If betting was legal. <laughs> All right. So next, uh, kind of in the same time slot, I think we also need to mention this team. How about Georgia? I feel like Georgia's kind of in the same boat as Clemson, where they've kind of gotten overlooked all season. And it's time to it's time to give them some props too in the SEC. And by the way, Yante Mayton, he is a man. He played. That was I think his seventh. 20-point game this season. Uh, he just continues to put up giant numbers. It's possible, again, if you remember back on our conference previews, I called for Yante Mayton to be player of the year in this conference, and I, he, he seems like he is playing that well. Uh, great win over uh, Colin Sexton in Alabama here. Georgia might find themselves in the same boat as Clemson and find themselves in the rankings next week. George, look out for Georgia, and you know what they do? They are not going to give you an easy possession. They are going to defend you. They are going to they're going to make every possession that you have tough. I'm really impressed with this Georgia team because I didn't really think they would be much beyond uh, Yante Mayton, and it seems like they're a little bit more than that. This game befuddled me. Uh, Georgia is really underrated. Mayton is great. 26 points, 11 rebounds. Superior. Love him. Rayshon Hammonds had 13 points, but they crushed Alabama. Alabama has an awful lot of talent. Alabama is now nine and six overall, one and two in conference. Georgia's eleven and three overall, two and one in conference. Not shocked that Georgia won. Shocked that they won by basically well nineteen points, but they had it going the entire time. This game was never close. Dazon Ingram for Alabama, you know, he's a third lane scorer. He had the flu, right? Um, and he was so sick that he didn't fly on the charter, so he was driven over. From Tuscaloosa, really? yeah, love the wow. dedication, but I don't think he makes twenty points difference. No, uh, you know maybe he does. Listen, Raleigh Hawkins made a big difference for Arizona. Okay, so it's possible the third scorer guy there, right behind Trier, behind it. But this was a whitewash from start to finish, and Georgia great win. Listen, I think the SEC is tough. Maybe Gus, the upper echelon is not as good as your Big Twelve. Maybe not as good as well. Maybe the second best conference because ACC's been down a little bit. But I think you know from top to bottom in the SEC. No easy games. We'll talk about LSU shortly. 
Right. Great, win, great win for Georgia. All right. So the next game that was kind of vexing and interesting and talk about defense. We talked about how Georgia played great defense. Uh, obviously, if we're going to talk defense, we're going to bring up number eight, UVA, taking down oh, number 12, dear. North Carolina. There we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> so how annoying, how frustrating, how depressed are you, Mike Randall, that Virginia just might find itself in the top five of the rankings this upcoming week in college basketball after starting the season unranked. Gus, can I clarify something? I have been a big supporter of Virginia. I look, look, lo- look, 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 look at you trying to get on the good no, side. No, no, no. Oh, trust me, I won't. No, no, no. This is the softball before the hammer. Okay. okay. When they had Malcolm Brogdon, Right. I remember awesome. I taught yeah. this is the year Virginia's right. going to make it. It doesn't matter that they want scoring in the tournament. Randy Bennett's a great. I said these things. You can witness this. If you can't witness it, no one can. I, then they lost to Michigan State. Then they lost right. again. And Malcolm Brogdon. Listen, Randy Bennett is a spectacular basketball coach. Totally. He could be coach of the year nationally again. He's Absolutely. wonderful. Virginia's having a great year. What they're doing is crazy. The Ken Palm, the stats, the standard division, fantastic. My point, Gus, is this. We're now going Virginia crazy, okay? I want an honest answer to this question. Do Ooh. you think in your heart, yes or no, that Virginia can win the national championship this year? No, absolutely not. Thank you. And that's – thank you. And that's my point. Applaud them. Make them top five. Make them top one. I don't care. I just feel like the ceiling is capped. That's all. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they own Roy Roy Williams and they are UNC's daddy. That's for sure. I'm so impressed with this team. I did not think that this was going to be the result from this game. I thought it would be a little bit closer. But it seemed like Virginia just kept, you know, going inch by inch by inch in the second half and just getting another point ahead, another point ahead. Another. I, I thought that UNC would keep it closer. I thought UNC would – I thought UVA would win at home, but I, I thought it would be a little bit more live. The amount of off-balance three-point air balls that UNC put up in this contest was mind-boggling. The amount of shot clock violations that UVA forced on a very, very efficient – offensive team for North Carolina was absolutely mind-boggling. I, I, I kind of couldn't get my head wrapped around all of these poor shots being taken in the end of the shot clock. UVA is really good at what they do. But to, back to your original point, are they are they going to win the national championship? Probably not. Are they going to make a Final Four? Probably not. Are they beating people right now in the conference? Yep, sure they are. They sure are. They're crushing them. And, and you know, it's all matchups, Gus, right? So let me ask you this question. Yeah. You think Kentucky's a good matchup for them? Terrible. Absolutely. I think they would frustrate those freshmen out the wazoo. And there's yeah. no – but here's one. They play West Virginia, right? They lost. Why? West Virginia has seniors. West Virginia has grit. West Virginia has Huggins. Here's my point. If you're beating Virginia, you better bring veteran leadership and you better bring a really good coach because if you don't, he's going to eat you up. North Carolina, Gus, 16 of 54 from the field, 29.6%. Dang. I also think playing in that arena is really Can't beat intimate, yeah, intimidating can't as well. You know what? You know what's going to be fun when they play Duke because you want to see what Duke is going to do after giving up all these points, right? That game's going to be fascinating. January 27th, it is at Duke. It is the only time they play this year. I would lean heavily towards Duke in that situation because I do think, Gus, if you're going to beat Virginia and you're going to hang with them, I think you need a post game. I think you need some effective post players. They took Luke May right out of this game. Going to be hard to take Marvin Bagley out of that game. 
I agree. I think that's going to be and, – and throwing Wenzel Carter too. He totally gets undersold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg's on Yeah, to, I totally agree with yeah. that. Kud, yeah, kudos to the to the Cavs. Really impressive win over uh, North Carolina. And again, yeah, they're going to be – Gus, did you see I put out the Ken Palm tweet? I'm trying to be objective here. Look, I, I, I'm I can't even believe that you referenced the Ken Palm in the tweet. Could, Very well done. Because you know what? I looked at – you love this the Ken Palm. And I do too, but you're, you're at a different level. So I looked, okay, Gus always talks about adjusted def- defensive efficiency. <laughs> and I look and I see, wow, there's three points ahead. Okay, and I go. I wonder when the last time someone was three points ahead was. No one. And- no one. Oh my god! Here we go. <laughs> there it is. Down screen back. Oh my god! It's like having a root canal that takes five hours watching. Them. Help and recover. Help oh, and recover. help and recover. But help and recover with a purpose, with a mission, and with a with an objective. Unlike the help and recover in TCU, but we'll get to that a little bit. A little bit later. Uh, hey, do you want to touch on uh, Arizona, Colorado quickly? Colorado is is harder to win in Colorado than it was to win in UNLV in Vegas against UNLV in the in the early nineties. Even with the fixer, it's it's harder. We can't win. Cannot win there. Unbelievable. Fixer. Colorado's unbelievable. Don't go to Colorado. Uh, and, and you know we we mentioned this on the pre- previous podcast that 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 trip is just terror. For the people in the Pac-12, the the Colorado Utah mountain trip, and and, and you know uh, of course you know that proved out uh, of course this weekend. Colorado was very impressive, and the most impressive thing is, did you see what Sean Miller said? Sean Miller yesterday, their loss to Colorado. Hear what he came out and said? I can't get to this team. So not only is Colorado winning games, they are ten and six, two and two in the Pac-12, and they're a very tough place to play. They're beating Arizona State. They're beating Arizona, but now. They're making Sean Miller say, I can't reach my team. I mean, this is vexing to me. Do we need to give him like one of those reachers with the trigger handle where it like helps you pick up the thing from the floor to reach his team? Do we need, I, he was, do we need to like give him a, a, some sort of paper airplane where he can fold a message and send like fly it into the, into the locker room? Like, I don't, I don't get the I can't reach my team thing. Gus, I don't, totally, I, I, I don't understand it. He was totally befuddled. You get to see it, folks. Google it. You, t- you look it up on Twitter. Totally disheveled, saying, I just don't know what to do to motivate this team. McKinley Wright, the fourth, 16 points. He hit that shot earlier this year to win a game. I forget who it was against. He hit a, 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 like yeah. a, a half-court shot, whatever it was, to win the game. I think it was maybe a three-pointer at the end of the game. He had 16 points in this game. And, and you know what, Gus, where, where Wright was, McKinley Wright was going? He was supposed to go to Dayton until Archie Miller left and went to Indiana. Really? Yep. So it shows you again how Archie Miller can recruit because McKinley Wright would have done very nicely in Dayton if he's leading Colorado right now. So good he job by Archie been- Miller. Yeah, he, re- he wound up going to uh, to Colorado. That's a nice get for Colorado, obviously, with these last two wins. Uh, he's been really impactful. Holy smokes. So, I, I, again, I think Colorado, uh, similar boat to Georgia and Clemson, like totally undersold preseason. Now they come out with these two giant wins against two ranked teams. And hello, relevancy. We're, we're going to tra- pay attention to the buffs again. I really like it. Trayvon Waters for three to beat. Oh, crazy. Crazy. Texas A&M. How insane was that shot on the road? I mean, that shot, number one, the timeout before the shot yes. was really questionable, so, right? Yes. Yeah. It's almost like let him play there and and live with the shot that's created there. So he kind of saved his coach there. I, I don't know how you felt on that. And uh, Tyler Davis, how about you hit a free throw in that situation? Yeah, so true, man. And they had Hogue back in this game, right? Yeah. Hogue was back. It's a game you got to win if you're Texas A&M. You know, listen, I'm with you. I like that you let him play. Uh, Kristowiak let him play in Utah. I, I like letting him play a little bit at the end. I feel like you should have a play set there. But when he called timeout, 
Water's got the ball back. I said, I don't see, you know, Will Wade's one of those cerebral guys, Gus, that I like, you know. Okay, well, you know, I have seven ways to beat the uh, triangle and two inverted. So I, I said, you know, I don't like this timeout here, but I have a feeling if anyone's going to dial one up, it's going to be Will Wade. Water's got the ball back, saved him there. Really well done. What a great shot. He's been tremendous, man. He, he, if you're talking about player of the year in the conference, I think his name has to get mentioned as well, even as a freshman. He's played that well thus far. They were 10 and 21 overall last year with a 2 and 16 record in SEC conference play. They're already 10 and 4. Only they have the same amount of wins as they had last year already. They got a 1 and 1 SEC record with a win at Texas A&M, who's in a free fall right now. And Gus Waters is shooting 16 of 30, 53.3% from three point range in LSU's last five wins. Wow. That's insane. What does that number even mean? If you're going to have a guy shoot over 50% from three with that amount of attempts, Really impressive. Uh, I think he's going to he, – you know what he's going to do? He's going to be – I'm trying to think who uh, – he's going to be like Mellow Tremble was last year for ah, Maryland. Ah, good one. And you good know, comparison. He's going to win a couple of these games on his own, right? Good comparison. Boy, you're great with those comparisons. Give, give me a quick win-loss here for the next five games for LSU. Just top okay. of your good yeah. instinct. Ready? Quick win-loss. Yeah. At Arkansas. Who? Uh, at Arkansas, loss. Home Alabama. Yeah, give him that one win. Home Georgia. Tough game. I know. <laughs> wow, that's going to be low scoring. Take the under in that game. Give him the win at home. At Vandy. Give him the win there, too. And then the Aggies coming back. And LSU, Will Wade, doing a good job. Predicted last in the SEC. Yeah, they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be just fine. You know what they're going to be? They're going to be in the They're going to be in the conversation for a March invite all year, I think. I think they're going to be that live. Wow, great job by him. Woo. Yeah, oh, fa- fantastic job by him. And Waters is so fun to watch. He's just – he's a joy. He's like one of the – he's one of those guys that you, you love watching, like Trey Holder, Trey Young. Uh, and now I think we have to include, like, Marcus Howard in that conversation, yeah, too, since yeah. he's going off, right? Let's go back. Back to the Big East real fast for everybody. And let's go to number 21, eking out a big win. Seton Hall uh, what a win. wins at Butler. Really, really gutty win here, right, Mike? What a win. Listen, I got a plug. I got a plug. I'll tell you something. You, you and I and our good friend who's a huge Seton Hall guy as well, we're texting about this. Gus, Gus and I were talking about what they would make the line. And I was struggling with it, right? Because good, yeah, yeah, good conversation. Can, can yes. you make Seton Hall a favorite at Butler when they just pretty much crushed Villanova. I don't think crushed, but they, they dominated Villanova, who right. was number one. So I don't think you can make Seton Hall the favorite. However, Seton Hall is so talented. I, like, God, it was, was two, two and a half, whatever yeah. it was. This is a great one for Seton Hall. Gus, you can talk about you so more than I did. Kadeen Carrington got hurt, tweaked his ankle, came back. Miles Powell has the flu. What a win in a tough place to play. Seton Hall, folks, 3-0 in the Big East. And, yeah, just to talk about the game a little bit, Powell was a big question mark leading into the game with the flu, and came off the bench, didn't start, played a great 21 minutes, was kind of effective, not his usual self, but he gutted it out. Same guttiness shown by Kateem Garrington, just like you said. Tweaked his ankle a little bit, popped back in, and actually played superior down the stretch for the Pirates. And at some point, please – can somebody somewhere besides us at Screen the Screener start talking about Angel Delgado as a first-team All-American? The incredible. guy is bananas. Incredible. He's incredible. He's towing. Go ahead. He's incredible. If you're not, if you are not on the, he's a first-team All-American bandwagon. Can you please just go look at his box score and his line from an unbelievably tough road game in one of the toughest places to play? 
not in the Big East, but in the entire country at Hinkle. And look at that stat line. Guy puts up a double-double, passes out six assists, makes a couple free throws in crunch time. The guy is a monster. He is a first-team All-American. Lock it up now. Please, somebody else start talking about him as a first-team All-American besides us here at Screen the Screener. And Seton Hall, great road win. Unbelievable road win against a very live and much improved Butler team. Very improved Butler team. I got to give Will a lot of credit here, Gus. I heard a nice thing about him keeping the team together, talking about iron sharpens iron, how you have to sharpen yourself. You can't let, you know, I little, I like that stuff. I like that little sort of, you know, sort of loosey goosey stuff there. They're buying in. They like the guy and they're playing hard for him. Gus, to back you up, Angel Delgado, they've played three games in the Big East. They've played Creighton, they've played St. John's, and they've played at Butler. Gus, it's not, it's not like n- none of those are gimme games. No, none no, 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 no. I know, I know no, St. John's. No. Was playing uh, uh, down because Pons wasn't out, but still, nah, still nah, uh, three nah. tough games. Totally agree, man. This is not the Paul at home, okay? Angel Delgado, 19-plus points per game, almost 14 rebounds per game, and basically six assists per game in what the conference. You, what else do you want insane. from the guy? Crazy. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and improved – much improved uh, post play. Yep. He's actually a threat down there in the post where his, you know, two years ago, if you hit the rewind button, his best offensive move was the offensive rebound. But now he he actually has some like over the shoulder moves now. Like, yeah, absolutely love it. And, and uh, if you had a, a rating, Gus, winning time, we talked about Joe Berry last time. You had a winning time rating. Kadeen Carrington, big uh. three. Uh, Delgado, great high post bounce pass to somebody. Maybe it's Carrington going back door. They have mm-hmm. a camaraderie. They have a feel for each other. They know where they're going to be. They don't give up. Huge, huge win for Seton Hall. 3-0 in the Big East. Really impressed with Seton Hall. And, and just to finish up with them, you can totally tell that they're invested in each other. It's not just I'm going to go for mine. They're invested in each other and the team's success. Really like like the vibe that the Pirates are giving off. Speaking of good vibe, how good is the vibe down in Auburn now, Mike? Auburn takes down back-to-back ranked teams and is looking at a record with only one miscue, one loss. And you know what? I, I think they also might sneak into the tail end of the rankings next week after taking down number 22, Arkansas. And to be honest, in the second half, they had that 10-point lean kind of padded the whole entire second half. Really impressive win for Auburn here. Coach Pearl has shown some stick-to-itiveness here, uh, has remained like the leader during the FBI fog and allegations and static that was going on earlier in the season. They were playing without two of their best players. So he's dealt with a whole bunch of uh, uncertainties. And look at them now. Back-to-back wins against ranked teams with only one loss. Kudos to Auburn. With the whole FBI thing going on, Bruce Pearl has things moving for Auburn. They are absolutely going to be ranked when these polls come out tomorrow. They deserve it. Everything Pearl's been through, dismissing those players, they're not here. The FBI investigation, he can coach his tail off. They're doing a fantastic job in the SEC. They're flying under the radar, not anymore. This is a team, folks, that is a top team in the country. They are playing like it. Kudos to Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. They're playing great. This game, they, they had this game pretty much comfortably, I'd say, most of the way. Yeah, I was impressed with the, the 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 method of which they won. And I love Harper, the point guard. He's one of those glue guys that you really need. Love what Harper's doing at running the point for them. He's a little bit undersized, but absolute absolute stud, very reliable, and he gets the ball to the other guys in positions to succeed. So love what love what's going on in Auburn. Gus, one more thing for you. Ready for this? This is just what's surprising. I, I don't understand this. Auburn has one loss this year, correct? 
Correct. Clemson has one loss this year, correct? Correct. The same team beat them both. You know, remember what it is? Who it is? Any idea? You're not going to guess this. If you guess this, I'm, I'm quick. Same team beat both of them? Yeah. A you same team I, that is really not great has beaten both of them. Uh, what? I, 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 I'd be lying if I knew this team. What team beat both of these teams? Temple. <laughs> Stop it. Are you kidding me? The same temple that got blown off the map by uh, Central Florida? 88 and, 70, and Taco Fall? 88-74. They beat Auburn in the Charleston Classic. And then Temple beat Clemson 67-60 in the Charleston Classic. Yes. So Clemson, is, Clemson and Auburn have both lost once, and that is to Temple. And <laughs> I think that's why college basketball is awesome. I, like, I, I think that's why Fran Dumpy shouldn't throw his water bottle on the front of the court because they should have beat Cincinnati. What are we even do- what are we even talking oh, about? Oh my here? god, he launched it. Good job, Fran. But come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice velocity on that, but uh, <laughs> poor, poor poor execution and poor placement. I can't believe that they beat both of those teams. That's it's crazy. crazy, right? Isn't it? <laughs> college basketball is great. I love college <laughs> basketball. Speaking of speaking of things that you love, I mean, we I I can't believe we're gonna mention Marcus Howard again. Isn't this awesome? Uh, this was impressive. I didn't think this game was gonna go this way at all. This was very impressive. So Marquette goes on the road and plays uh, Villanova, number three ranked Villanova. You thought that, of course, like after going off for 52, that every, you know, every periscope, every uh, target would be on his back. And he goes off for 35 again and kind of outplays Brunson to a certain extent with a whole bunch of assists and a whole bunch of made threes. So Marquette, if he if Howard's gonna play this way and at this level, and you saw how they played against Villanova, they're gonna have an opportunity to beat anybody, anytime, anywhere in the Big East if he plays as well. Yeah, Marquette has it going here. This was very impressive. This game was 46-34 at the half. Villanova's up 12. I just thought they were gonna move ahead and just move on. And they like did methodically go methodically go through the second half, right? Yeah. And it was, and Howard was on fire. Rousey did not have a good game here, but he just kept, it was six of six from the foul line. Uh, it, really interesting for Howard. You know, he's made 58 straight free throws, Gus, if you go back to last year. So the guy doesn't miss his free throws. I thought Villanova was going to blow the doors off. The spread here was 16. I was shocked by this. Howard had 37 points, five of 13 from three point range, basically 50% from the field. Hauser yeah. had 13. Rousey only had six and they just kept coming on the flip side. Brunson's great. I'm willing to acknowledge Gus did last time. He's a better man than me. We know that. I, I was wrong on Brunson. I mean, he's 8 of 15 from the field. That's like low. It's going to lower his field goal percentage. Right? <laughs> Which is nuts, right? <laughs> 9 of 11 from the line. They always make their free throws. 84% for Villanova. Had 27 points. Bridges at 18s. Cooled off a little bit. Phil Booth, solid 10. Gus, the thing that worries me, I know DiVincenzo and Cosby Roundtree both at double digits. That's not normal. DiVincenzo maybe, but nobody else. Omari Spellman against an right. undersized Marquette team has yeah. two points and two rebounds. I mean, he was in foul trouble. I understand that. Right. Cosby Roundtree did well, but that disturbs me. So Villanova, everyone's got cracks. Everyone's got warts. Duke has warts. Michigan State gets their doors blown off today by Ohio State. Everyone's got warts. Villanova's going to be fine. But I have to tell you guys, I did expect them to blow out Marquette, and they did not. I think that speaks to both things. I think it definitely speaks to – uh, the limitations and the limiters that we've talked about with each team coming in, um, where we mentioned, you know, a couple of podcasts back where uh, this team has to deal with this. Like we talked about Duke's defense. We talked about Michigan State's uh, turnovers. And you brought up, I don't know about this Villanova 
a lack of depth. And if one of those guys gets in foul trouble, look out. And that's exactly what happened. It's like they followed your script. You know what we can start doing, Gus? We should start betting the over in these games because Villanova's not going to play any defense. I've said that oh over my and God. over again. How about, how about just betting the over against everybody except Cincinnati, Georgia, and Virginia? Um, Virginia. And Virginia. Like those three guys. Like let me, uh, let me anything ask, else that is competing, just bet the over. Let me ask you this, man. So Biggie's player of the year right now. You're going to say Brunson, right? Jalen Brunson? Probably, yeah. You're going to put Howard ahead of Blewett right now? Coming Maybe. off that donut at Providence? Right now. Yeah. Voting's tonight. You have to send a ballot in five minutes. Where are you putting Marcus Howard? Yeah, pro- probably probably number two. I agree pro- with you. I- <laughs> are you Are you going to put him ahead of Bridges from Villanova? I am. I am because the Bridges had to – I think that was like a one-game thing for Bridges really. Howard's been relentless. He had 50, 52, right? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, that you know, that's a great point. That is a fabulous. That's something that worth keep track of moving forward. Gus, he's let's at eighty nine points in the last two games. <laughs> let's let's say they finish what I don't know ten and eight. Ten and eight in, in conference. Yeah. How, how about how about I don't know. How about eleven and seven? You know, he's popping out of forty spots somewhere. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I, I think it's very valid. Right. I think what and and why not him? Like for one of these, you know, third team All American spots, right? Yeah. If you're going to put up that many points in one of the best conferences in the country, like you would call the Big East one of the top four or five conferences in the country, right? All right, right, right now, Wisconsin, they're playing one on one. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Marcus Howard. What's the spread? Giannis by three and a half. Game to eleven. <laughs> Look you out. wouldn't get more than three and a half. And I'll tell I, you, I, Marcus I travel Howard out to go watch that game. Marcus Howard gets the ball first. Marcus Howard gets the ball first. <laughs> Look out! It's it's live. You're not going to get four and a half, are you? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Starts with a three. You're in trouble already. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, a fascinating conversation with Marcus <laughs> Howard. I, you know, he's playing. He's playing Giannis one on one. He's he's the biggest player of the year. He oh. put up fifty. Great. Oh. I love that we're talking that much about him. It's great. Skeet shooting with Marcus Howard. Paul. <laughs> he's open right now. <laughs> let's save the three biggies for last, and we'll go to uh, we'll say, we'll go to uh, number seventeen Kentucky losing at number twenty three Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very confusing to me. I was all over Kentucky in this game. And to be honest, what I saw is I just saw their three best players. I mean, everybody was on the Gillish Alexander train, like, oh, he's the best player in Kentucky. Uh, he's he's moving up draft boards. Uh, he, they need to play him more, um, so on and so on. And then and then Diallo and then Knox. None of those three showed up at all in this game. As much as we talked about how Blewett disappeared in the second half, all three of those players for Kentucky were, like, impactless in this game and Tennessee gets a great win at home one that they desperately need because as you mentioned pre-podcast they are 0-2 in conference after starting out the season on fire being ranked upsetting a couple teams playing UNC really tough and losing uh losing in the last seconds they really needed this this win so great win out of Tennessee great win for Williams great win for the Vols here and really confusing I I, I thought Kentucky might have been on the the uptick here and having it figured out but it seems like they have to go back to the drawing board PJ Washington started cramping game changed after that because Grant Williams also known as Rico gathers also known as Grant Williams fabulous that's a great comparison <laughs> well Grant Williams better score though Grant Williams better score to be fair but he has that same sort of like I can beat anyone up if there's a fight right now sort of presence. Remember we saw Rico Gathers once just separate a fight with two hands between these yes. two massive guys. Grant Williams is a man. He took care of business inside. 
Washington started cramping up. He was guarding Grant Williams when he went do, out. Do, the game. Do, do you think those cramps were due to, man, I'm getting pushed around in here? It could be, but Kentucky was winning. I mean, they were up eight at the, at the half. I, I was with you, man. I, they were up eight at the half. I thought they were going to roll over this game. I think they were getting points. Were they getting like four points or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and then it was really tough. Tennessee, it, it, folks, think about this in the future when you're looking, trying to do predictions. Tennessee had their back against the wall. They're 0-2 in conference. They were, they're 10-4 and now, but they were 0-2 coming to this game. They needed this win in the absolute worst way. They made shots down the stretch, made their free throw 75%. Kentucky only 62.5%. Listen, folks, I'm starting to wonder about Kentucky because they don't have an identity. What is the identity? Kevin Knox, six points. Okay, one of nine from the field. Diallo, five points. What's the deal, guys? 11 points against Tennessee on the road. That's just not going to cut it. Kentucky always has trouble. Tennessee, I understand that. Quad A Green, 14 points. They need Jared Vanderbilt back in the worst way, and they need the cramping to stop with Washington. But they, I don't know, Gus. Tennessee hanging around. SEC is deep, as deep as the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, SEC is unbelievably deep. I, I could see seven or eight teams getting an invite if they're going to continue to beat up on each other and play this well, and especially if there's going to be no top-tier team where everybody's going to be vulnerable. There's not going to be that like, like that Florida team that's going to beat everybody up from a couple of years ago. There's not going to be that Kentucky team that's going to beat everybody up. Everybody in this in this conference is vulnerable, and every game is live. So I think that's going to equate to a, a number of opportunities for you know teams that are quote unquote on the bubble, and then boom, they get a win, and you're like, oh, well, this team was in the whole entire time. Yeah. So I think that's that's the conversation that's going to follow the the SEC for, and you know, I think this is the conversation they they were hoping to have, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and they've just never gotten over the hump, and now we're talking about them having you know seven, eight teams in in, in, in you know as March possibilities. Hey Gus, I want to take a little a real quick stop here. I don't know if we're going to talk about this game, the Florida Missouri game. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. 77-75. It's one of these things, man. You know, we talk about those teams that are good. Well, I talk about those teams that are good that I don't think are are, are good. I tend to hammer yeah, them. You're, you're good because I think you're Gonzaga good. Gonzaga last year, they're in the finals. Right. I still don't think they're good. Okay, right. The opposite was true with Florida. I never got off the Florida train. Never even bothered me. They are now 3-0 and in conference. Yep. They're 11-4 and overall. They go on the road, a very live Missouri team, really fired up. And what does Chioza do? They come down tied. Chioza jumps the passing lane, and he oh. came across all the way from the other side of the court to yep. intercept a pass back from the wing to the point, lays it in, ball game over, 77-75. That's a big-time win for Florida. Barrett had 28 for Missouri. Huge win for Florida, doing Florida-like things. And if you look at Kentucky stumbling and Tennessee stumbling and LSU with their win – all of a sudden, Gus, Florida looks like they may be the top team or one of the top teams in the SEC again after going through a real tough patch. Yeah, it's totally true. It seems like they got the ship right a little bit. And can Chioza stop being a magician? Yeah, he, all, all the guy does is like make big plays in crunch time. Winning Put time him on that team with Joel Berry. Winning time, Carrington. We're right? gonna do a pod soon. Winning time podcast. He's gonna be he, on it too. Yeah, he, he is definitely on my team for sure. Especially yep. after that shot at the Garden last year in the tournament, and after this play. I mean. The amount of ground that he covered, you'd love to see one of those like NFL tracking devices where they like show you what route the uh, the receiver's running. Uh, you'd love yeah. to see how much ground he covered in that play, coming over from the skip pass position over to the point of interception and then directly down all within like, what was that, within five seconds? He must have either watched film or recognized the play. 
He left. Think about how hard this is to do, folks. If you play, you've played in basketball, high school, whatever level. Yeah, yeah, even if you're just, uh, even if you're just at the Y. Yeah, the Y. He left his man with five seconds left, wide open because he was 100% sure he knew where that pass was going. Gus, if he hesitates even a half a second, the ball goes back to the point. It's reversed to the guy that he left who's standing wide open for a three-pointer, but he picked his pocket, took his cookies, ball game over, Florida wins. Great coaching by Coach White and the coaching staff there, Mm -hmm. if that's the case. I mean, superior preparation in the timeout, superior coaching by Coach White there. You hear that that noise? That's John Abunu coming back. Here we go. Uh, Florida might be the top ten again. We'll see. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's that. That sounds about right. Let's see, uh, Mike. I got. I kind of got lost on our map here. Where, so, where, where are we going next? Are we get? Oh, you know where we have to go next. I'm sorry. Do you want to talk about this number ten Kansas win at oh number sixteen God. TCU? Oh do, do you want to go there next? Yeah. Okay, folks. Here we go. There's a difference between a good coach and a great coach. Here's my thing. Jamie Dixon had a week to prepare for this game. They should have beat Oklahoma. They escape at Baylor. This is the game. I understand that Jamie Dixon has done a great job at TCU, whether they win or lose this game. I understand that TCU is still a really good team, whether they win or lose this game. You know what, Gus? Drill down. Go in his office, turn the lights down, get him a beverage, and ask him a question. This was a chance for a program-defining win. That's what this is. Kansas is coming in. They're reeling. Jamie Dixon, you are Pittsburgh for many years. You were very successful there. They were terrible. You know, you had Howland there. Howland had him really good. Then you followed Howland. You continue the tradition. Second winning coach at Pittsburgh. Two Big East titles, three Sweet Sixteens, an Elite Eight. No Final Fours. Can I can I jump in for a second? Didn't they didn't they make the Big East Finals tournament game like five years in a row? Oh yeah, the, he had he was like he was a, he was amazing at Pittsburgh. He was tremendous. They had a four yes four straight Big East tournament championship games. Okay, there it is. Yeah, he, was, he went to the Sweet Sixteen three times. He's had tremendous success, but it is amazing. I watched this game the first three minutes and I knew it was over. You have all week to prepare for Kansas, Gus and Svima Heilick and Devontae Graham are wide freaking open in the first five minutes making threes. And I'm going to tell you this. you got to watch the details, man. Svima Mihailik goes 2-2. Two two. Then there's a foul, and Mihailik shoots it anyway as everyone's walking down the court. He's three feet behind the line, and he makes that one. Right. You have to recognize Mihailik is feeling it. Graham is feeling it. They got into a flow. They got going. His game plan was awful. It was horrific. I don't know what his game plan was, but whatever it was, it was terrible. Kansas and Bill Self, he's a great coach. That's why they've won 13 in a row, because he got his team ready to play. He told them to get on the mark, get ready for this game. He switched defenses on him. He went to zone. He went back to man, and the kids responded. Great job by Bill Self. He got a lot out of Mitch Lightfoot, by the way, Gus. Who Mitch had, Lightfoot made an unbelievable block at the end of the game uh, to, to preserve this win. So you're telling me, Gus, that TCU, who's got a huge height advantage inside, can't score on Mitch Lightfoot. Lightfoot, nine points, seven rebounds. Gus, he had six blocks in this game. That's embarrassing. Terrible job by Jamie Dixon preparing. You tell the players guarding Graham and Mihailik you don't help off of them. If LeGerald, Vic, and Garrett, who actually started because evidently Malik Newman's on the side of a milk cart now, Gus, he only had one point. Garrett's going to drive to the basket. You don't help. 
Ball goes to Azubuki. You don't double off of Mihailik and Graham. That's what they did. It was bad coaching. It was terrible job. Fine. TCU still good, Gus. They're going to be fine. I understand that. This is why Kansas and Self is who they are. They find a way to win this game. They were ripe. They should have lost it. Great job by Kansas. Terrible job by TCU. So you concentrated on the defensive, on the offensive end. I'm, I'm sorry, on the defensive end with uh, Graham and, and Mihailuk. I'm going to concentrate on their end game strategy in their last three possessions. During their last three possessions, they put up garbage shots garbage. and had terrible sets. Totally true. Absolute terrible sets. It looked like they had not practiced an end game situation at all. Now. Kudos to Bill Self, just like you mentioned, switching up the defenses, making it confusing, uh, keeping TC players on their toes. Still, all of the sets that they had in the endgame situations, they did not get a quality shot off in the last 50 seconds. It was kind of despicable. I, I, I wanted them so badly to call a timeout and have somebody grab the clipboard and draw up a play for them just because they looked so lost on the offensive end during that endgame situation. I felt like that was the reason that they lost in combined with giving up all of those shots early to the outside shooters. We talked about their advantage was inside. Azubuki fouled out. Right. And the ball only went inside a couple times at the end. Terrible three-pointers by Williams. Rush shots, no rebounds, out-hustled, not pushing out, backing out. You know, not, not move out. It's not just box outs. Move out because all Lightfoot did was hustle. It's a terrible job by TCU. Awful missed opportunity. I agree with the missed opportunity. The good thing about the Big 12, they'll have another in the round robin, but they won't have that opportunity on their home floor, which I think is a big difference. All right, let's get to the last two biggies of the night. We had number two, Duke, who everybody said, hey, Duke is back. We're ready. Let's go. Falling to unranked NC State. Now, this is the second time NC State has beat Duke in the past two years. Or if you remember last year with Dennis Smith, he had that like gigantic monster dunk at the end of the game. Good in memory. Good memory. Uh, yeah, at Duke to finish that game off. Um, and so they take down Duke again. And one of the limiters we talked about with Duke was what happens when they have to play a team that is very live on offense and is really efficient. And guess what? Keats has that thing rolling in the right direction, obviously now. Um, especially after this one. You talked about a program-defining win for Coach Dixon and TCU. This could be Coach Keats and the uh, Wolfpack's defining program win uh, this season. Like This is what exactly what every program hopes for when they play in the ACC or they have one of these games, that they can actually pull this upset. And the one place I'm going to go here is I think it was kind of poetic justice. That Braxton Beverly, yeah, who true. was initially ruled ineligible due to his transfer from Ohio State to NC State after uh, Thad Mata left, they got that wrong, and it was cool to see him hit a bunch of free throws in the final couple minutes to put help NC State put this game away. So kudos to Beverly for helping the team pull this upset and having his moment to shine and kind of like stick it in the face of the NCAA. I got three stats for you, Gus. You ready? Duke has lost five straight ACC road games. I'll repeat that. Duke has lost their last five straight ACC road games going back to last season. They lost at Syracuse. They lost at Miami. They lost at North Carolina. They lost to Boston College. And they lost to NC State. That's that is shocking. Yep. I did not know that. Five in conference. Number two, in Duke's last four games this year against Power Five conference opponents, Grayson Allen's shooting 24% from three-point range. Ooh. He's seven to twenty-nine. 
Okay. Ouch. And the last one, NC State had lost their last prior two games, Gus, by an average of 22 points to Clemson and to a Bonzi Colson-less Notre Dame team. They lost mm-hmm. by 30 plus in that game. They lost at home less than a month ago to UNC Greensboro, who is currently ranked 112th in the RPI. They're tied with Miami of Ohio. Duke had a, a week exactly to prepare for this game, December 30th, a week. And this wow. is the effort they put out. This is concerning. And Coach K can give his sarcastic comments. Someone asked him, Are you worried about your bench? He said, oh, you know, I'm more worried about the players who are going to be playing the majority playing well. Oh, well, that's great, Coach K. That's great. But you know what? You just lost to a team badly that lost to UNC Greensboro at home. And you had a week to prepare. Problem in Duke. Problem in terms of national title and Final Four expectations. That's what they're looking for. Do I think Duke's going to win 20 games, Gus? Yes. <laughs> okay. Do I think that right now they're playing great? No way. It's a problem. But then again, is anybody playing great right now after this weekend? I don't know. But <laughs> certainly there's question. things to be concerned. Yeah. So kudos to NC State. Congratulations on your program and season-defining win. Hopefully this is one of a few more that you can gather in the ACC. And then we have to end Saturday's slate with, of course, number seven, Oklahoma, heading to number six, West Virginia, where it was the matchup of Trey Young versus Press Virginia and Javon Carter, Daxter Miles Jr., those thieves that are in the backcourt. And to be honest, it was an awesome game. It was highly entertaining, really competitive. You loved seeing Young get it straight straight in the second half and really coming back and finding his way and and not just like folding underneath the immense pressure that the backcourt was putting on him. Uh, But it kind of played out the way that you thought it would, right? You thought it'd be a really live game. You thought it'd be really competitive. You thought it would be um, unbelievably coached on both ends, which it was. And then you thought Young would have a couple of highlights and you thought Javon Carter and West Virginia would pull it out in the end. And and lo and behold, they kind of stuck to that script for us. But I'll tell you what, Thank goodness they stuck to the script because the script was perfect and it was really entertaining. If this game played out exactly to a T as I thought it would, Carter and Miles and all of West Virginia had a real game plan. Huggins is a great coach. Two final, great. Two final great fours, coach. two different teams. Cincinnati, West Virginia. A great coach. Here's why. They doubled him, Gus. They doubled him when he came off of screens. They couldn't stop him from getting the ball. They weren't going to try that. But Gus, when he came across half court and gave the ball up, he didn't get it back. That is coaching. That's what Jamie Dixon didn't do. You don't just say, we're helping recover, we're helping recover. Oh, if they drive, I'm going to help off Sui Mihailik. No, that's what Nebraska did. That's why they That's why they lost at home to Kansas on that shot. West Virginia said, Huggins goes, if Trey Young gives that ball up, he doesn't get it back. Carter, Miles, all these guys, fantastic job. And what proves how great a coach he is, Javon Carter, fourth foul, 13 minutes and 30 seconds left in the second half, and they win by 13 points. Bang. Yeah, it was. I felt like that part of the game was almost like a poker game, right? It was almost like Trey Young in some regards was saying, okay, uh, you have my five-plus turnovers, but – to get those five plus turnovers, like I am, I'm return giving you four fouls on your best player. I felt like it was some sort of like poker move there. And then Huggins had was holding aces the whole entire time. And they did what I wanted to see somebody do. We're not giving this kid three pointers. The twos don't beat you. The twos are not going to beat you with Oklahoma. He was three of twelve from three point range. 
Let him drive. Let him get to the basket. He's short in stature. We'll try to block him. 8 of 22 from the field, 3 of 12 from three-point range, 10 of 13 from the free-throw line. 29 points, but he had to work. Brilliant game plan by Bob Huggins. And, yeah, he had the worst game of his college career, and he still had 29 points. Every Yeah, which is absolutely <laughs> like That's insane, and he's amazing. And I hope he keeps getting celebrated the entire season because he's absolutely a joy to watch and totally entertaining uh, and should continue to be one of the lead stories of our sport hey, this hey, entire guy, season. Hey, Gus, you ready for this? So yeah, he, yeah, ha- he, sure. ha- he had the worst game of his college career, right? Yeah. Three, yeah. At, three at 12. That's 25% from three-point range. Grayson Allen shooting 24% in his last four games. <laughs> that shows you how the yeah. difference right there. Worst career game of his career, 25% from three-point range. Okay. And he's just doing what, what you know, what the, the player of the year preseason last year is just doing like normally this season. That makes sense. But uh, just to finish up with Trey Young, it seemed like every three was hi- highly contested even his deep threes. So they were committed to defending the 25 footer as much as they were defending like the 21 footer. Like I felt like they were, they were very committed to running him off the three point line and making each one of those shots highly contested. So he just didn't get an open look from 25 feet, even though logically you'd live with a shot like that. But I think with a player like him, you can't. And coach Huggins like made that a priority. So kudos to him for tweaking the game plan on the perimeter to take, to make young really uncomfortable in a place where he's found comfort all season. And Gus, I got to give you kudos here. We got one more here I want to mention today. You talked about this guy last time, and as usual, you were ahead of the curve. Ohio State blows the doors off of Michigan State. You said be careful of this game because of the line. I bet it's going to get closer than you think. You were totally right on this one. Keita Bates-Diop, you talked about him. I laughed you off. 32 points, 7 rebounds. 10 at 12 at 21 from the field. They blow Michigan State's doors off. Chris Holtman doing a great job. Keita Bates, Diop. Gus, the floor is yours. <laughs> so are, are you buying in that he could be player of the year in the conference now? I'm warming. <laughs> I'm, I'm warming. All right, we'll keep you on simmer the rest of the season, all right? I have to be in my short corner this, this week, Gus. Yeah, uh, how how bad is that going to hurt? You're like, ah, I, I can't believe I have to throw this guy in. Jeez. Okay, so for real. I am not exaggerating here. The reason I kind of thought this would be a spicy game, number one, Coach Holtman. Number two, uh, I felt like the matchups were actually decent for Ohio State. I know that sounds nuts, but if you think of Tate, like Tate is like this unbelievably unique college basketball player uh, who's totally undersized at the four, right? But if you think about it, like he's almost the perfect matchup for Bridges, right? You can put Diop uh, on Jackson. Uh, and they're going to match up a little bit on the perimeter. And you need a little magic, right? Like, so Dockett came in uh, and gave him that magic at, at, at right before halftime with that banked in three. Once that went in, you kind of felt like, okay, this is for real. Like, this is going to continue the entire second half. So I, I did kind of like the matchups with some of the personnel. Love Holtman. Love, I mean, and, you know, they're on the road. So it's not like... We, we've talked all podcast season about like, oh, these road games are really tough. Guess what? They're tough for everybody. They're tough for Duke. They're tough for Michigan State. They're tough for Villanova. They're tough for Arizona State. They're tough for everybody that's in the top 10. Of course, it's going to be tricky. Um, but yeah, 
love Bates Diab. I think he is absolutely underrated. I would not be surprised if he gets on some NBA draft board yeah. radars after this game, right? Gus, he missed most of last season with having surgery for that stress fracture in his left Good leg. Point. He was yep. averaging 9.3 points at the time. He has more than doubled his scoring average to 19.3 points, and Gus, he's shooting over 52% from the field. Yeah, it sounds like player of the year stuff to me. That's that's what that sounds like. <laughs> Okay, so the last couple of things that we'll mention here. We'll mention uh, that Cincinnati and Mike Randall's preseason Final Four selection absolutely wiped the floor with SMU and kind of made them look silly. I know that SMU was coming off a loss to Tulane, but you thought that this game was going to be a little bit more live. It seems like take the under if you're playing Cincinnati as well. That, that's like one team that's actually playing great defense. Miami t- uh, gets an important road uh, – I'm sorry, important home game uh, over number 24, Florida State, uh, pulls away in the second half. And great finish out west where Arizona State ekes out one on the road against Utah and gets one of those games on that weird mountain swing that the Pac-12 goes in. So, I mean, we had a bunch of great games the entire weekend – uh, Mike, is there anything else you want to you know bounce on real fast there with any of those games? Yeah, real quick, you could not Arizona State could not start zero three in the Pac twelve. That was a huge last second win at Utah. They got that Colorado Utah trip done. They're moving on. Nice win for Miami as well. Had to get that one. Just a tough grind here with the ACC, which is looking even more wide open, especially with the Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell who was injured as well. Oh, jeez. I'm going to ask you this one, Gus. Who you? Who would you vote? You would have vote. One of these days, we'll have a vote in this AP or you know top uh, twenty-five. Who would you vote number one tomorrow? Man, that's a great question. I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think I might lean back to Villanova because of all the one-loss teams. I think their loss is the most respectable. Is that does that make sense? Makes total sense, and I think they're going to be number one. Can I make a case here? Uh, yeah, I'd love for you to make a case. Stop me when you know who it is. Lost the first game of the season. They won every game since. West Virginia. They beat Virginia. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Kansas State. They beat Oak State. Anyone playing better than them right now? Not much. That's who you I'd vote for. It's not crazy either. Yep. I hope, you know what I hope? I hope when we read the polls on Monday, I hope that next to their name, I don't really care about the number on the left side of their name. It could be one, two, three, or four. It's okay with me. I hope in the parentheses next to their name on the right side that there's some numbers there that people actually voted for them for number one in the country. That's what I hope. I don't really care what the other number is. I just want people to recognize that West Virginia could be the best team in the country. Last year, I'm singing John Denver. And this year, I'm, I'm arguing why they should be number one. Unbelievable. Look at you, man. You really come full circle. I love that you do not have a fixed mindset, Mike Randall. Mount well. Mama, Issa Mods <laughs> coming back like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> they can't wait to get hit back. That, that Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, Terry uh, from West Virginia, he's playing a little bit out of his head too. Where did he come from? Uh, the last three games, he's been, playing, he's been playing unbelievable minutes and putting up big numbers. Really love what he's providing uh, on the wing. This, really like him. This has got to be what it feels like to play West Virginia. Just hands con- constantly. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Five and a half steals a game for that backcourt. Crazy. Well, unbelievable. Well, that's, uh, Gus, this is the fastest hour I've ever had in my life. I got to tell you. What a week. Hey, I, 
I think we'll get the I think we'll get the listeners out out here on this one. Uh, number one, listeners, if you really like what you're listening to, please give us a follow uh, on Twitter. We're at S the S Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, please feel free to email us uh, SESpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you and hear from you. We'd love to. Uh, we got back to a couple of people that uh, shooting us some ideas, so uh, we'll we'll incorporate those as we move forward with a couple more podcasts for you guys. Uh, the next next couple of weeks and if you really really like what you're listening to please don't be afraid to give us a nice review on itunes if you plug in a comment next to your review we'll give you a shout out and ahoy out on the podcast so please don't be afraid to do that and then uh you know we'll, we'll make you semi-famous by uh th- saying a big huge nice kind thank you to you for your review on itunes and if you're looking for some screen to screener content in print please hit up mike's awesome site randallrant.com There'll be some college basketball write-ups. Mike does an unbelievable job with a short corner write-up, a little rundown of what's happening in the week, and we'll give you our rankings later on in the week, not on the traditional Monday like the rest of the world season. Uh, so once a couple of games go down, you'll be able to come back and check our rankings and be like, oh, let's see where this team might fall now. And here we go, folks. We have a new schedule coming up because we're in the heart of the season. I'll read off for you right now. Oh, so okay. This pod is dropped on Monday, so we recorded Sunday night, drops on Monday. Tuesday morning, you get my short corner. Wednesday, I'm going to do a solo pod, Big Five, Big Six pod, giving you some information, breaking down the top power conferences there in the country. Could be one conference, could be cutting across to multiple teams. We do our joint pod, which is going to drop on Thursday. Our rankings will come out on Friday. And Gus, with a great job with his mid-major breakdown, is going to give you his own podcast. We'll drop Saturday morning. It will be some sort of pod on some of your smaller schools because he is the basketball expert. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna attempt to tap into our, our basketball knowledge and then give you guys a little bit more content. Our joint, our joint podcast will be a little bit more uh, longer form. We'll try to give you a rundown of some of the games and then actually talk about a couple of topics uh, on the solo podcast. We'll give you a little shorter form, just some quick hitters here and there and a couple of ideas. And then, of course, look for that stuff in print where, uh, you know, on those days that Mike just shouted out. So uh, thank you guys for consuming as much screen to screener as you as you are. Oh, wait, Gus, you hear that? Oh, let me see who's at the door. Hold on a second. Who's there? Is somebody there? Oh, hey. Oh, who, who is it? Denver. John, how you doing? Oh, oh. John, stop by here. He's going to set this out. Ah, oh, John. So let's sing it with us, folks. West Virginia. Mount Mama. Salatio, gratulatio. Cheers out there, everybody. Sing along. Sing it, John. I love West Virginia for you. Take me home.